Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. Hallelujah. All right, so today is question and response. Pastor Martin, let's join. Please clap for him. All right, so, okay. We have been talking about sonship, right? All through the month of March. And I think this should be an opportunity for people to tell us what they understand so far. Questions, I expect there will be questions. I have questions for you. If you don't have questions for us. Yes, and I've learned from great men that if you are just teaching and you are not allowing people to ask questions, you are, te- you are preaching to yourself. So we don't want to be preaching to ourselves. We want people to ask questions. And you know, these things, what you experience, it's not enough to say it. You must experience it. In fact, you must be saying it because you are experiencing it. You should say it, start to experience it. Then keep saying it because you are experiencing it. You know, um, I want to read from the book of John again. First John, sorry. He said, this which was from the beginning, right? So it was first from the beginning, which we have heard. So many people are still in this stage where they are still hearing it. He said, but we have seen with our eyes. You see this sight thing again. Which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. So you must do all of that for it to become your experience. So please let's have a microphone in the audience. Maybe one mic in this side. One mic in this side if we can. Okay, we can't. Okay, so once and please questions signify if you want to ask questions, we are looking forward to your questions. If nobody signifies quickly, I'll, I'll ask my own. Welcome, welcome to church. <laughs> welcome to church, it's good to see you. Yeah. So, questions, 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 questions. Nobody asked questions. Okay, let me start. So, in the course of the month that we've been teaching on sonship, who, who can tell me the most shocking thing that they've heard? Either from Pastor Feddy, from IK, or Pastor Martin, or myself. I, I don't know if I've taught this month, but from any of us, or during the vigil, what's the most astonishing or the new thing you've learned about sonship? You cannot say you've not learned something, you have learned something or new. Or something you don't quite get yet. Or something you don't quite get yet. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> so, um, I think, I don't know who, I mean, we've been talking about sonship, we've had um, our pastors talk about it, but I, I can't, I can't place a specific service where it's just opened up 
to me what it meant to be joined heads with Christ. And I, I, I think it was the scripture we're talking the scripture that um I can't I can't quote it verbatim, forgive me. Um the scripture that says um we are seated with Christ in heavenly places far efficient. No, it's I, I need the words because yes. Yes, that was, that was where it really hit me. Like, and I, I remember I was seated, I was seated here, and the scripture just—it was like somebody just turned on the light, and I was like, "Wait, well, I've seen that scripture so many times. We've heard it since we are little children that you know you're joined heads with Christ and all of that, but it never really sank in until that particular day, and it's it's been really really wonderful because I just saw fear just fizzle out you know I, I really can't explain it beyond this but I just saw f- I felt fear fizzle out of my life because I'm I'm untouchable I feel like Superman right now <laughs> praise God okay okay um, so just to follow up from what Fragile said, um, in terms of um, just joint as um, one thing that really struck me, especially through the um, the night prayer and the next day, was just that co-creatorship in terms of the fact that we co-create with God. Um, so that night, after we all went back home, I had a dream and it was very interesting because in the dream, I was speaking to a friend of mine and we had both... when. Like some years back, we always used to say that we wanted to uh, develop our village and like where we uh, come from in River State. And in the dream, there was this building that was really high up, but the building wasn't straight. It it was bent over and all these things. And me and the person, when we were talking, the more we were talking, the more the structure was straightening up to exactly what it was supposed to be. And that just hit me because it started just uh, reassuring this belief that we are co-creators with God. And when we see certain things or when we are given Given an idea, we have to speak it because a lot of times you may see something and then you, I guess maybe a lot of things around you in terms of doubt, etc., etc., come into the play, and then you lose motivation. So you have to continue speaking, declaring, and all. Now the question that I, I that I have is something that someone asked me. I hope you guys are listening. You're not distracted because Pastor Fedi is here. Pastor Fedi is here. I hope you are all listening to my question. Hi, Fedi. <laughs> is Rachel being aggressive? So um, <laughs> the question I now have. Someone asked me, and they just said that um, you know they enjoy coming to tribe and things like that, but they don't speak in tongues. And, you know, whenever we're praying and we're speaking in tongues and everyone is saying we're sons of God, um, they feel kind of left out because they don't speak in tongues. So how do they handle such a situation, you know? Because they're like, um, because you can't impose it on someone. You can't tell them just start. Um, And that they feel that is like a language that sons speak from God. So because they don't partake in that, they feel very, you know, so how do you encourage someone in that situation and how do you, um, you know, I guess teach them about that? Interesting. Yeah, I say interesting because it's one of the things that I was hoping we would do on Sunday 
not just teach and then pray for people to be baptized in the Holy Ghost or just teach them how to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost because the Spirit has been poured out to be candid. It has been poured out to be candid. So, first of all, I would say the person should come on Sunday. Come on Sunday. Then, secondly, in the course of the year, we will take time to teach on the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible talks about the foundations of our faith, and one of them is the doctrine of baptisms. We will take time to teach on it. So, because we can't answer the question fully now, and I also understand how people can feel left out when everybody's praying in tongues around you, especially when there is intensity and English now starts to fail. You know, there's only a number of times you can say, God, you are good. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, we, will, we will touch on it. I, I really appreciate that question. And it also shows what the Spirit of God is saying. That, it has been a burden on my heart since. But in fact, it has been so much of a burden that I even reached out to a mentor to say, how do we help people to receive this thing very quickly? So Okay, before Sunday, how many of us here speak in tongues? No, 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 amen now, lift your hands, come on now. How many of us here are sons of God? You are Christians and you speak in tongues. Okay, the people who did not. Okay, put your hands down, how many of us don't? How many of us don't understand, so that's why we don't? Okay, okay. How many of us want to know about it so we can also? No. Um, See, the Christian life is not difficult. It's impossible without the Holy Spirit. Seriously, it's not difficult. It's just impossible without the Holy Spirit. So you cannot do this life. You know what, what Jesus called him? He says he's another helper like me. Alon Parakletos. That's, that's in Greek. See, I would, I would send another one exactly like me. Say, it's your helper, it's your standby, your strengthener, your advocate, your intercessor, your comforter, and counselor. Lawyers will understand counselor a lot. Do you get? These are the things that he does for you. So it's like your, your standby power. You can't do the Christian life by, you know, you strong arm it. See, it doesn't work. You go tired eventually. But with the Holy Spirit, haba. <laughs> and speaking in tongues is like, you know, it's like the entryway, the express. It just sets you on your path. It does. It does amazing, amazing, wonderful things. So it's not just, I read a scientific study. Somebody sent me that report recently. I don't know. I think it was somebody from church. Sent me a scientific study that was done on speaking in tongues. Not by Christians. And then they realized that when we are talking, the... All those things that they say, no, the lobe, frontal lobe or something that's involved in communication activity is active. They brought out the map and everything. Then when these guys who say they're speaking in tongues are speaking in tongues, nothing is happening there. And yet they are seeing changes in their lives. They say some, there's something there. Wow. Scientific study, not Christian stuff. <laughs> so it's not beans. I'll look for it and I'll try to send it, maybe send the link on the tribe platform. So when the person said to me, I said, yeah, of course, no, you don't know before. We, we, many times we wait for the world to confirm what God has said to us. Yeah. We say, ah, it's true, it's true. They saw the ark of Noah, Baba, quiet. 
You are waiting for the world to confirm that they really saw a place where the Ark of Noah went before you believe that there was an Ark. So really, it's something you should desire. Mm. You know what, the, what Paul said? He said, after he said I speak in tongues more than you, he said, desire to speak in tongues. Then another, he said, neglect not to speak in tongues. Okay. All, that was what Paul said. We can't stop talking. You can't talk about Jesus and not talk about Paul. His secret, he said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. <laughs> Understand. Let me, let me add to that. In the early days of the tribe, we had a lot of people who said they were not interested in speaking, or they just didn't want to be imposed. And we carried on like that for quite some time. Um, and because of what we were called to express, keep it love, keep it accept, uh, inclusive, we, we kind of like manage the tension. But I think it's a good backdrop mm-hmm. to talk about it now that we're in sonship. Um, in my own personal experience, um, not speaking in tongues, yes, doesn't make you any less a Christian. But there are certain things in God that I have not been able to navigate Access. without just navigating it through that. Right, so it's. I also struggled at some point in my life where I was feeling like I needed it to make sense, mm. right? But I realized, just like many things we have in God, it's not like God has not given us the language, is that we need to get out of our way, get out our blockers. I will first of all ask you, what are your blockers, right? Sometimes one of my major blockers was like I felt a lot of people spoke in tongues just were out of touch with reality, mm. they wanted to tongue it, right? At anything, they would tongue it. But the point is that. If you really process it, uh, there, is, there is a sense that we, we talk about speaking in tongues giving you a bandwidth that your, con- your conscious mind, mind cannot handle. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like a very, very strategic pathway that opens up for you to assess the things of God, right? And the Bible spoke about it that when we pray, even if, even if our minds is, is, fruit, is not fruitful to our minds in the way that we cannot understand it, but our spirit is articulating mysteries and God is actually the one doing the praying through us. That when we pray in tongues, we allow God to pray through us. And what God is praying is the mind of God. So we're co- allowing ourselves to come into alignment. Some days I just do it for two hours, three hours. I have nothing else to say. And I do that when I'm under pressure. Like, we're dealing with some stuff. I know I need to get out and do some praying in tongues. We, there is a particular client. Um, there's somebody we're supposed to be doing business with. They just sent us a reviewed budget, a reviewed cost. 10x. No, 3x. 3x, just right, just out of there's no rationale. You understand to do 3x. At first, um, my logic mind would go, "This is this is this is right, this is ridiculous, right?" But now I realize that sometimes the wisdom is not to go at them. Of course, I've told the lawyer we drafted letter. <laughs> Let's go legalese, right? And, and but I know that it's not in the legalese because the legalese they will come back with more legalese. And then very soon, at some point, nobody will be talking to each other. We're talking through lawyers. Mm. And it's not necessary. The point is that when you go into the realm of the spirit and you pray, I always get wisdom. Sometimes it's just one simple word. Sometimes it's a name. A name. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just say, I'm just calling. Sometimes it's even just, trust me, it never has failed. Right? And sometimes when people tell me, make a tough decision, I'll say, give me 24 hours. Let me sleep over this. I'm not sleeping over it, quite frankly. Understand? Mm, I'm actually, I'm actually... Imagine downloading over it. Like, I'm going. So let's embrace it as a lifestyle. And in sonship is a gift, right? And the things that, truth be told, some days I used to tell, okay, if you speak it now and there's nothing there, have you lost anything? Well, I just wasted my time. But if you speak it now and there's something there, have you gained something? Of course, you gained something. So there's a brother in the house who, for two years, just didn't speak. I wonder, he called me. I was like, there's something weird going on. I said, what's that? I said, 
I'm speaking in tongues. I said, that's awesome. He said, but in my dreams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he actually started speaking in dreams. So, mm-hmm. yeah, wow. you guys know him. He started speaking in dreams. I don't know if you have wow. shared that testimony. And then I said, bring it to life. Mm. He's already there, but he could never, he could he kept asking questions. This is gibberish. How do I get it past my mind? No, 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 too logical for these things. Yeah. Right? But I and and I think I've not asked him how often are you doing it now? But if it, if it took you a while that they, they had to give you a dream, you have to hold on to it. Conscious mind is not active. So the interference, whether it is you are trying to assess things in God, many times our limitation or inability to receive those things is not that on the part of God not given. No, no. It's oftentimes that we're getting, we, are, we, we sort of have believed certain things that are interfering and that's why we have to just clear the pathway so we can allow the expression of the gift. Mm-hmm. So somebody has a question. Good evening, church. Hi, everybody. So Pastor Toby said we should say something interesting that we just learned or something that means we just learned from sonship. And I think what I learned is... Um, Pastor Ferdi explaining the God kind. It's not like something that we don't know already, but when he's there explaining it from genes and, you know, how, like, genetics, biology, I think I just, it, it entered my brain. It finally entered because as he was explaining it, I was drawing in my mind. So what I could see was sort of like the food chain, that structure. That hierarchy. So I would imagine that the plant's kind or the plant's kingdom is underneath. Then we have the animal kingdom, and then we have the human kind, and then we have the God kind. So we are in the God kind, right? So what I want to understand now is how do we get there? Like when I try to place humans, do I place them in the human kind or in the God kind? So how do, how do we get, when do you get to the God kind? Do you get there where you realize your sonship? Or do you get there when you give your life to Christ? Is everybody in the God kind? Like, are we all in sonship, Christian or not Christians? Or are we like transitioning? And where does the transition happen? But I try not to use consciousness this evening. Amen. I'll try. So something God has been teaching me in recent time, I'm even writing a song on it, is before we were given labels, Christianity, God created humans and breathed his life in it. God did not create Christianity. He created humans as his sole expression. So I don't want to use consciousness, but... <laughs> If you can give me an last one, I'll try. Awareness. Awareness. No sweet, no sweet. Consciousness <laughs> is like Pastor was teaching on Sunday. When you become aware that you are the Son of God, it changes everything. Just sitting on, like, for instance, I don't need to preach to you that your hair is blonde. When you wake up and you look at yourself in the mirror, it hits you again. There's a reflection that hits you that, okay. So when, if I tell your hair is black, you would doubt me because you're not, you're not seeing. So there's an understanding that you have that, okay, that don't, you don't need to be preached to, that you don't need to be told that you're a woman or anything. It's something that 
you now know by virtue of just seeing your image every day. You know, so being in this place, being in that system, like I believe that this community is God's system to keep us in remembrance that this is who you are. So sometimes when you forget, sometimes I, when I think of Chinidu, I'm like, I'm a son of God. Do you understand? I, I don't know how it happens. Like this particular, what was teaching me one time, I said, Franklin, before any label, you were me. Before any label, you were me. Like when Freddie was also talking about two Sundays ago, who am I, the part one? He said that God spoke to himself to bring us out. I had to sit down with it for a while. Because it'd be like, say, it, it's too hard to, to say sometimes that you are God. And God, like Freddie would say, God is not insecure. When Noah named the ark by his name, he was not bothered. God is not insecure by calling yourself himself. And Toby also said that one time that it's so hard that culture has made it so bad that even when a man gives birth, he names him Junior. Meanwhile, God calls you God. It's not, there's no Junior Holy Ghost. There's no, it is as I am, you are. Do you understand? So it's that, just that consciousness. Sometimes you keep praying. Sometimes you keep studying. One day it will hit you that Omar consciousness. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I want to respond with a scripture so that it won't be as if you now go somewhere and say, Bernard, Bernard said that you know, scripture is a help. Let's read Psalm 82 from verse 5. You can read the entire chapter when you get home. Please, eh, for all intents and purposes, this thing has to be rendered in KJV. Yes. So, normally, you can read verse 6 before verse 5, but, you know, we'll read 5, 6, 7, then maybe we'll now go back to 5 again. So, from verse 5, it says, they know not. So, it's a problem of knowledge here. And it says, neither will they understand. So, because they don't know, because you don't know that you can't understand what you don't know, right? It says, they walk on in darkness. And then, all the foundations of the earth are out of course. Now, this is God speaking, actually. If you check from verse 1, if you say God standeth in congregation of the mighty and he judges among the gods, you know. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. So, God said it. And now God is saying it again in verse 6. He said, I have said. And God really needs to repeat himself. But obviously, because they know not and they don't understand, he has to repeat himself. I have said, ye are gods. And then, how many people? All of you are children of the Most High. He now said, but you shall die like mere men. Why? Why are they dying like mere men? Because what? They know not, neither do they understand. The difference between humankind and God kind is the person that have known God. You see, if you see, check, check, let's check another one. Let's check another scripture um, just to buttress this point. Sorry, just give me a minute. Um, 
John 17 verse 3 you see there that eternal life is described as knowing so it's, a, it's always a function of knowledge knowing God and the one he has sent Jesus Christ himself described eternal life as knowing God. So one of the things that happens when you know God truly is that you too, you know yourself. Uh, one of the keys to knowing yourself is knowing God. The Bible says, look to the rock from which you were hewn. So knowing God is knowing yourself. So the difference between the person, and the difference is always clear between the person that knows and the person that does not know. From Psalm 82, the person that knows lives like a God. Person that does not know dies like a mere man. So let me just chip in. In Genesis chapter 3, the serpent said to the woman, um, You shall not surely die. For God knows that the day that you eat of this, you become as God. But if Adam had properly schooled his wife that were already like God, perhaps that trick would not have worked. So they, in trying to be what they already are, they fell. Because when God made Adam, he made Adam as himself. He replicated himself. You, God. You read the scripture we read that the Lord said unto my God, say, I have crowned you my eternal king. In TPT, Psalm chapter 2. The Lord said unto my Lord, he said, today I have begotten you. You know, um, um, when we talked about this, uh, Sunday we spoke about this. I was telling you that Adam's son of God, right? Who oh, trace the genealogy of Jesus? We trace it back to God. The last man, Adam, or the first man, the last person in the lineage, Adam. Yeah. And the Bible says, Adam, the son of God. Adam, the son of God. So the Bible also told us that, that was the first Adam. And then there was the second Adam. And this, this second one, this upgrade, don't worry. You can't compare iPhone 6 to iPhone 12. You can't compare the OS and everything. Do you understand? So, so man was made as God. That was what man lost, not heaven. Yeah. So that's what Jesus came to restore, yeah. redemption, yeah. to take you back to your original place as God. Yeah. So the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this place. So what unlocks it for, for this, this was hard for a lot of people. Uh, what happened the day I got born again? Somebody asked a question on Sunday that was not answered. That somebody is saved and somebody is born again. They did the same thing. Technically, no. Somehow you can say yes. You say yes and nothing. But no, because everybody is saved. Jesus died for the whole world, right? So he purchased redemption for everybody. All that needs is Bernard. Sorry, consciousness. All that everybody needs is consciousness. Bernard. So the day you got born again, what happened was you woke up. You became aware of your sonship, which was already paid for, had your name written on it, waiting for you to just collect. The day you accepted that this thing was done for you, it wasn't a new transaction. Say, God saved me two years ago. No, he saved you before the foundation of the world because he knew what it was going to happen. Remember, Jesus is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. So God prepared beforehand. The day you became aware of it or you become conscious of it, you step into your godness, godship, 
God will ever. Do you understand? So as a son, what we have been sent to do, rather, is to bring people, say, see, God has settled the account. You are in. You belong. All that is waiting is for you to come and accept your belongingness. Do you get? So your question, so when do we, when do we, just the day you become aware of it, that's the day. And Jesus didn't come to set up a religion to say when you go to church and do certain things, then you now become a son of God. No. You know, we're strong on that here, so we talk about that a lot. You get, yeah, so salvation has been purchased for everybody, but some people are just not aware, some people are not conscious, which is why, because we're not teaching these things, because sometimes when we begin to teach truths from the scriptures, I fear that many times people just gather knowledge, head knowledge, and it's not practical to a lot of people. Yeah. The scripture you read just now, you see, the things, that which is from the beginning, you say which we have heard, which we have seen, that's one part, and then you say we have looked upon. If you have seen something, you have looked upon it now, right? No. Seeing and looking are different, are different things. You say we have seen, and then we have looked upon. Looked upon is deliberate. Observed. Researched. And then after looking upon, which is consciousness, then we handled it. That's the practical aspect. It's a handleable thing. That means it's practicable. It's something we practice. Something we live. We have handled it. That's what John said. He said we have handled the life, the sonship that Jesus brought, the light. And that's it. That's it. So then he now said, the fellowship we have is with that levels. That's why we want you to have the same fellowship. Read it, 1 John chapter 1. So it's not a religious thing. It's a practical thing. That's what it is. And it changes. See, it just changes everything. You can change anything. You can change hopeless situations. You can't change. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's my. It's... All right. I want to contribute with a question. Question. Um, the English people in the house. Is there an example? What is the difference between um, Christ is an example for us mm -hmm. and Christ is an example of us? Isaac, let's start with you. You see, you see, you see. <laughs> Ah, uh, uh, uh. you say English people now, sorry. No, but uh, Christ is an example of us. So, for us. You have a phone there. When you have a phone there, we know what we do with that. No, no, you go. You go. I think oh, that when we say, for uh, instance, 30, uh, okay, well, Christ is an example for us to, to sort of learn from okay so it's more like top down christ is at the top and then he's we are pulling down on from him to sort of receive and Powerful. you know receive direction instruction behavior etc etc when we say christ was the other one christ is an example of, of, of us. us of us it's this is this it's well it's similar in the sense that he's it could be two way you know it could be that we're saying <laughs> it's, it's huge. We're saying he's. Did that thing hit me? I didn't recover. We are. We are. It's. We're somehow. We are somehow um, implying an equality in the sense like he's like 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 likeness. Yes. That's actually likeness. what it is. Um, I think most, it's mostly likeness that comes to mind. Is it's it? mostly it's most, mostly likeness and equality. Yes. When so when you for when something is, more, is an example example of you to for you to glean from. It's not oh. always about equality. Mm -hmm. It's literally like you are. That's the you're, the, you're, you're learning. Yes. It's more at best an imitation, right? When something is an example of you, it's an invitation to be that as to identify yourself as that. So there is deep sense of equality. Now, Favor's question is: um, 
she spoke about yes. our humanity. If we understand that our birth, it's uh, our divinity, our source, and our original identities in Christ mm. uh, is God. What about is that same for all humans? Now, I would say this: identity as a concept is very multi-dimensional, very multi-dimensional. Like I said, but the very core of identity is what we should focus on. I want to just write a formula on board and let's process it. When God started the definition or the creation of man, man had a formula. This is the formula of man, right? The formula is likely to be this. I, you know, I, I would have really loved to lecture. Tell him to hire me so I can rest. <laughs> because all around me is board and marker, right? So there is, this is, didn't make it, no virtue. Virtue has departed from that one. Right, so this is man, right? Now, there is, man is actually made up of two parts. There is the humanity, and there is the humanity, and then there is the divinity of man, right? This is what it is. There's the humanity and there's the divinity of man. Yeah. So this context of humanity and divinity speaks to the fact that we are spirit and we live in a body. We are deity, but we are also flesh, right? Now, but all, all of our curriculum in the world today is it's humanities. You understand? If you, you, the study of humanities is almost devoid of divinity. All of, all of it, at best, science came close. The only science that started to scratch the surface was medicine, uh, when you start entering psychiatry. Psychiatry started to understand that there's some more complexity to man, that what, there's something else in man. Psychology started to process, ah, there's something about man. There is this, they started to sketch around the soul, the solical realm, the mind. But truth be told, there is no organ called the mind. Have you, have you seen the, this is the mind? You understand? You can actually say maybe it's somewhere in the brain. Sometimes the Bible will say out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Like it will say guard your heart with all diligence as if the heart get dull. You understand? If out of it flows. Here, keep it in mind. There is humanity, there is divinity. Right? The only way we can actually start to process divinity is through spirituality. Religion. All religion is actually, is actually exploring here. Right? Christianity now gives us a very clue that that's why when, when, God, when Jesus asked Peter, who do men say I am? He said, thou the Christ, the son of the living God. But if I give you, the, if I give you a, simulation, like a, a similar formula to man, you would find here, another formula of man would be, I will put um, breath, right? And I'll put here flesh. This is Genesis 2-7 formula, right? Breath. If I bring give you another formula of man, I'll put here God. Because the breath is from God. No, it's mo, mo, not, it, it won't balance. There's something wrong in this formula. Are you guys tracking? It should be... It should be like this, yeah. So it's consistent, it's consistent. So here would be flesh, and here would be breath. Say breath into man. Here would be, um, here would be dust, and here would be deity, or call it God, right? Now, there is still, there is still another side of the formula. All these things eh, is, equal to, is equal to Christ. So Christ is the first person that combines humanity and divinity. And it says in him, the Godhead bodily dwell. So Christ became the new introduction, the, the introduction to man that was first of all rooted in our divinity. 
You understand? So Christ now, that's why you, if, you begin, if you began in Christ, you start understanding that there's a dimension there. All of creation today has been reborn in Christ. So there is now no man apart from divinity. There is only men that are living in the illusion and not in the fullness of who they are in Christ. But they don't, they have divinity. They did not, it's not when you become born again that, it's, that the, the, life, the life, of, life of God has been there. It says, Romans, 8, Romans 1, 18 says, God buried it there. There is no excuse. Everybody has a deposit, a residue of the life of God. So that one, one writer says, all of humanity is divinity in these guys. Like all of our lives are, we're just sort of like, we've forgotten. So how do you become more divine? How do you become more fully aware? You know the parts on learning. The first way to lay hold Right of your divinity is not about attaining divinity. It's about letting go of what you have believed that blocked it. So unlearning is the mystery. So you don't arrive this path by learning more. You, you, have, you attain this place by falling in words. Literally like, almost like, let, like you're just lead, letting go, unlearning, detaching yourself from the things that have blocked it. So everything that has intervened with your identity, if your identity starts from, if this is all you are, you are going to be your trauma. Like everything, your, your feelings. You know, now I'm interrogating my false self very, very well. I know the false self. Like, the, like for instance, let me tell you what happened today. I was going somewhere. And a thought just came that got me very sad. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going home, I'm going home. And that was what hit me. Something just came, I'm going home. So I was, I was like, okay, why are you going home now? Because I'm angry. Yeah? So, and I said, okay, if I go home because I'm angry, I, I'm not going to find a solution. You understand? So maybe I should just come back. Because the false self will call you, out of, call you by your pain. It will call you, and you walk away, you walk away out of purpose. Meanwhile, I already planned meeting. You know, I have all my friends that are coming, and I left everything. I'm not. I went, but if I was not mature enough to rein in the false self, you will live at the level of the instruction of your broken thoughts. Yes. It will tell you move. It will tell you lock door. It will tell you delete. Leave the group. Add. So people who live at the level of impulse will never learn how to be led because the leading of the spirit is an overriding of the impulse. It might look impulsive to you. Don't forget it. But the spirit, the wisdom in the level of the spirit is deep. So when you are going to, when you are led by a broken emotion, you are responding from trauma. Somebody has annoyed you, you are annoyed back. Somebody has tweeted at you and you want to come back twice as hard. You are the king of clap back. But the truth be told, as you are clapping back like that, the truth is that you are responding from this part, this part. Life is here. This place fits more pain. All of the brokenness in the world is uh, here. Turn the other cheek. The, uh, these people can't handle it. No, it's an eye for an eye. You understand? I told you that 80% of the corporate's world in Nigeria today, runs on the principle, not Nigeria, world. America, please, right? They run on the very eight, 48 laws of, of power. You know how they say it? Avoid the unlucky and unhappy. You understand? So the best time to leave a person is when they are broken and left down. But what's the gospel about the broken? Do not let that man left by the wayside last a night. Take him to the inn, pay for it. So the kingdom of God is about family. But God rushes to the weak. So the way in the, in, in the world there, you are only as weak as your weakest link, so cut it out. In the kingdom, you are only as weak as your weakest link, so guard it. So if you find a family that has a Down syndrome child, you know the entire family, their entire life revolves around that child. 
You understand? They would, somebody would leave their job. I have a, a mother who resigned. She left her job because her daughter had an accident and was going to be on a wheelchair. She left, resigned, went and sat with the daughter for two years in London, waiting for recovery. Her sister resigned from a big paying job in London, relocated to Nigeria, the lady came back. Family love. In the kingdom, no, unfortunate. This is rather unfortunate. They are, they are following higher pay. But the lady, she left the paying job so she was beat by her sister. Right? That's actually something. But divinity is our identity. We do not attain divinity. We rediscover it because it's always there. Yep. We unlearn the lies that we are not. We unlearn the lies of separation. And then we begin to discover that it is always there to express. The wisdom, there is depth of wisdom in you. You just don't know how to function from there. You're living from the platform of your humanity alone. Humanity without divinity is always incomplete. Man was always God in flesh. It wasn't flesh in flesh. Right? Mm. All right, thank you. Let's clap to that. There's something, the question that uh, Pastor Fedi asked, um, I have semblance of an answer. He said, what's the difference between Christ as an example for us and Christ as an example of us? Um, I'll use two words. The first word is imitation for when it's an example for us. Example of us is more of replication, is just as he is. So, so are we in this world. So, sometimes seeing what Jesus is doing, there are two ways you can respond to it. The first way you can respond to it is that ah, I'm seeing what he's doing, I should try to do that kind of thing. The other one is to see what he's doing and say, Oh, this is the way I'm supposed to function, this is what I'm supposed to do as well. And that's why Jesus said. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. He now said, greater than this he shall do. And he said it with confidence. You know, the confidence which he was saying is he said verily twice. If you are a Jew or a Bible reader, you understand when Jesus said verily, verily, he's very sure that everything I do, you will do. He said, as I am, so are you in this world. And as the Father sent me, the kind of mandate that God gave me, is so send I the same mandate for the entire world. He won't send you to do that kind of thing if he wasn't sure that you are capable of it, that you are just like me. He won't say that. So, he's knowing that I'm just like, I'm just like him. And that's the idea. The Bible says that whom God foreknew from the beginning to be conformed to the image of his son. So it's just his sons, is a, a kingdom of sons. That's the idea. So example of us is to see what he's doing and say, okay, this is how I'm supposed to function. This is how I'm supposed to do. You know, I, I like to watch people broke into it very well, like Catherine Coleman, for example. I watched the show, well, <laughs> I call it show because it was interesting, right? That Catherine Coleman, there was somebody who was possessed Kashikuman said, Come out of her in the name of Jesus. You know the way she's very dramatic. And as the demon went out immediately, she turned to everybody and said, That's how Jesus did it. <laughs> very dramatic woman. So that's the thing. So he did it so I can do it. Because we are of the same stock. nature, we have the same stock. That's why the Bible says, Ye are of God. Is is Yes, is the makeup. Mm, this is the makeup. 
more questions. We, we, I think we can take maybe just one more question because of time. We'll, we'll do another. Sorry, Ori. What Pastor Fedi explained, she answers more of your questions. Okay, he had questions, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he used to barrage me with questions. Well, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> well, you're not doing it. It's cool. All right. My question is normal. <laughs> so, we've been talking about sonship, yeah? And um, as we've been learning to always speak what we want, you get in place of confession, confess this thing, speak it, wake up in the morning, you get so where is the, is there any, any place, is there any sector you are living for? Is there, what is God's sovereignty in the equation? Is, so I'm trying, is, is there a balance there? Is there even, like, you know, there are times in the Bible where Israelites fought, you get, and won battles. There are some that Jesus did not do anything. God went himself and fought the battle. Do you understand? So is there, is, do we still have that or everything that we need, we have to, because sometimes it'd be like burden sometimes. So, so like, like, so anything not come, like, I'd not confess this thing. This thing, I didn't. So sometimes that, that balance. Sometimes, yeah. Can we, can we find a way to explain it? Throw more light on it. Yeah, thank you. Okay, uh, let me give. Let me go with this first. I think sovereignty is one of the very most complex concepts. If you're coming from a Calvinist or Reformed um, background, you would really, really wrestle when we talk sovereignty. But let me tell you one of the things you would always have to tension with. Don't for once forever interpret God's um, love through his sovereignty. Interpret God's sovereignty through his love. Let us settle. Just the way I keep telling you, don't interpret God's justice apart from his love, but interpret God's justice through his love. All that God is, God is in love. And all that God expresses is true love. So sovereignty, what sovereignty means that God is sovereign, so therefore God can decide without your impute, and then you now just, it will fall on you. Mm. So that without recourse to you, God can by himself make a decision, right? But once you begin to interpret that away from love, you get a picture of Molak. Mm. So some, some people will tell you that, okay, I, I want to go to Sambisa, right? They're having a sense, I want to go to Sambisa because I feel that's the will of God for my life. When you check, most times they're not going to Sambisa because they feel a sense of, they, 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 it's to them, uh, that is the, the hallmark of a true Christian. That you should go where it is toughest. So what is pushing them is actually works masquerading as will of God. Mm. So they would, some of them would say, I want to go to Afghanistan because, uh, no, 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 that, that day you're going to Afghanistan. If you really check, if their motivation is not rooted in belovedness, they are performing that too. They are performing to Sambisa. And so they'll say, I went to the toughest place. You know, I have people then on campus that will say, I preached up a storm on the day of exam. I left my exam hall, I got so saved, and I came back and I finished it. Now, you, you and I might clap and say, what a passionate person for the Lord. But whole performance is not the case here. So when I want to speak to that sovereignty, one of the interesting parts is this. When we look at all of the Old Testament, particularly the scripture, you were, the references, God Toby, you spoke about it either Wednesday or Sunday before. When you said, when God told Abraham, um, um, told Moses, Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. I have come down. And you know what God told Moses next? Now, go. you go. No, Moses was like, no, God, you're sovereign. You should do it without me. God was like, no, 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 I don't walk like that. Moses, I heard the cry of my people. I have come down. You go. 
Now, at every point in time, if God needed to do something, God told Mori, point the rod. Mm. Point your rod. God says, strike the rod. He would say, speak the word. He told Moses, I will make you a God unto the people. And there was never a time, you understand, that you find Moses now saying, okay, when Moses told Pharaoh that by noon today, there'll be frogs all over town. That's to tell you who I am. Do you know the truth? If Moses has told God, I don't want frogs in town, no, there will be no frogs. Moses was actually calling the shots in town. All the plagues of Egypt is a more reflection of Moses than of God, though. If you realize God in Christ, Moses was the one that had been in Midian. Baba was on the run. He fled after murder. The journey to Midian was not an easy one. When we meet him there, he was a confident guy when he was in the palace. He had become a stammerer. What happened? He would have seen not a few plagues. So when it was time to, when God told him his power, Baba, the, the guy said, was like, I know what plagues are. I lived with them in, the, in, in Midian. And I'm going to show you. No, do you know sometimes we, 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 actually, we actually live out our revelation of God? In the experience we live. So the point is, when we look at Christ, was there a tension? God has already revealed that I am love. The sovereignty of God is that God has called us to, Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed. I do not find Jesus saying that, it's not the will of God that you be healed. Please leave. It's not the will of God that you be blind. No, everyone who came got healed. Right? Because it's the will of God at all. So let's not interpret sovereignty to put us in a place of disempowerment. The sovereignty of God does not disempower us. The sovereignty of God in union means that our Father and our, we have the will of God is our will. The heart of God is our heartbeat. So there is no tension between God's will and my will. God has called us to walk in love. If you walk in love, you walk in God. And that's the mystery. Where you start talking about sovereignty is when you're trying to dominate another person. Our interpretation of dominion is our problem. Our dominion is that I want your, I want your territory. God did not make king of men. There was never, the Bible wasn't king of men, it was king of kings. Because to God, we all have crowns. Learn to live with other people's crown. Do not deprive them. Do you know what David saw? David, I love David. David was interpreting. David said, my Lord said to my Lord. My Lord said to my Lord, sit down. Like David saw, then go to Hebrews. Hebrews 11 verse 8. Who is there reading for us? You know what he said? Hebrews 11 8. And God was speaking. Let me show you. Hebrews 11 8. Bless I don't leave the question so much. But this part, you get as it be. Hebrews 11 Hebrews, Hebrews 1 verse, um, verse 8. Yeah. Hebrews 1 says, Now see, God was speaking. He said, but about his son, he called him God. Now I need you guys to stay on this scripture as we begin to journey into sonship. About his son, he called him God. See what he says. Thy Your throne, throne, O God, o God endures forever and ever. <laughs> That's Psalm chapter 2. Yeah. He was quoting Psalms. He says, and your rule and you will rule your kingdom with justice and righteousness. For you have cherished righteousness and detested lawlessness. For this reason, God, your God, has anointed you and poured out the oil of bliss on you more than any of your friends. And he called him Lord, saying, Lord, you formed the earth in the beginning and with your own hands you crafted the cosmos. You know he was talking to Jesus? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like God was, God, record, God, God was telling Jesus, you created the world. Because Christ is the energy of God. So when you go to, um, what scripture was that again? There's this scripture I like in message translation. Let me look for that one. Um, if in Hebrews 1, it says that through him all things were made. Without him was anything made that was made. In him was the life of God. So what we see is that Christ has multi-dimensional meaning. There's Christ that is the expression of God that is a being. But there's Christ that is the 
activation of God that is the energy. See what it says in Philippians 2 verse 13. Philippians 2 verse 13, which uh, from message transition, it says that, the, that energy, that energy is God's energy. An energy deep within you. God himself willing and working at, at what will give him the most pleasure. See, that at the end of the day, he says he looked at Christ, he recognized that Christ is creator. When I was talking on Sunday, there was something I didn't quite want to touch because when we say you are God-like, we always think about holiness, righteousness, um, uh, all those ness. But no, they are, they are all of God. But godliness is not limited to those. Godliness expands even more. Tell me where we need to see the greatest expression of godliness. That your creativity is godliness. That the spirit of innovation is godliness. Right? So when God moved on the face of the deep and said, let us, let us. God was first the creator before he was a healer. So the healing dimension of God is not more godly than the creator dimension of God. God is as much present as he is when he heals as when he creates. But what he's inviting us to do, we all have believed that we can heal. But some people have not believed that they can invent. Mm. So why is the new civilization not on us to define? Because our godliness has been limited to a pulpit experience. Mm. We need to expand our understanding of God to the context of everything that we do. Because God is not less sacred when he's at work with us. Mm. So you must give yourself the permission to see the godness of yours in creativity, in innovation, in, in in, even in advocacy. God is at work in you when you are doing advocacy. God is at work. So I hope we expand because if we're talking about social constructivism or social renewal or cultural renewal, we're really talking about the experience of the gospel moving into your life and through your life into the world. Like the gospel becomes incarnate in you and then becomes, you become the platform through which the gospel now engage. That is what I mean by energy. That is the energy of God that is working in you to will and to do. The desire for you to go out there and fight for equality or help the poor, help the sick, raise the dead is God. And that's the sovereignty of God. God's sovereignty is that all will come to the light of his truth. God has given us the permission to be him on earth. So you can stand. Even God said one day, consign the works of my hand, command ye me. Because God's God, God responds to God and they decree. So the, God, the entire universe awaits the instruction of man. The state of the world is not a reflection of the law of God for us. Yes, sir. It's a reflection of our awareness of ourselves. Yep. Yes, sir. Because it's when God raises our awareness that we come into that office and we're able to execute for God. If not, the world will live like slaves. Slaves fight for things. Sons begat things. You understand? Sons don't chase signs and wonders. Signs and wonders chase sons. You understand? Sons don't chase money. They manifest it. Money chases after you. May money chase you. Is chasing you. Everywhere I go. Oh, sorry, I think. Okay, so about sovereignty, uh, you know, that's that's really got a lot of people messed up. Uh, so we think we think we think sovereignty is um, if God says it, yeah, no matter what. So we, we come up with Kesera, Sarah, whatever will be will be. If God has designed it, you can't stop it. So I always like to shock people and say no. Um, they say if, if God has willed it, you can't stop it and say it's not true. The will of God doesn't always come to pass. That's because it takes you and God. That's, that is God's design in his sovereignty. You see, hear what he said first. Don't define the sovereignty of God. Huh? But define how? Define the love of God. Define the sovereignty of God through his love. You understand? So, so we think, okay, this is what I want to do. It's a, it's a separation thinking. It's not union. So let me go and find out if it's the will of God. If it's the will of God. 
have you read one, uh, uh, I think, is this Second Samuel? And then Solomon repeated it. He says, David wanted to build a house for God. And his prophet said, go ahead. God not came. He said, mm -mm. I don't dwell in tents made by hands. Mm. Then God said, it was in the heart of David to do it. God said, it's not in my plan. But it's in David's plan. He said, it's David's package. David run up. So Solomon repeated it. It, it. Building temple, which is where we have evolved from, we say church. It's not God's idea. It was David's, David says, see my house. It's house like large. Only me see throne, see wives. But my, my tier one mansion for God. I got to say, no, no. I know, they, I, know they, I know they roll like that. Do you understand? So, 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 so that's how sovereignty works. Yes, God wills in the direction of your will. So, unfortunately, if you are not aligned with the love of God, it's destruction you'll be carried, you'll be creating all about. And you'll be saying, okay, maybe that's what God wants to happen. No, evil, death, all those wicked, terrible things, it's never it. Don't ever second guess that maybe it's not God's will for you to have that beautiful thing. No. That good life, that wife, that those kids. It's never like that. So praise the Lord, I've been believing God for the fruit of the womb. 55 years later, I've shut up, that's not God. It's faith. We got, we waited, we waited, we prayed for 55 years, and then finally God did it. Excuse me. Are you kidding me? No. Now let me let me round off with this one thing. When you know we all easily believe that God became a man, right? Jesus. No, some people don't believe that, but you know, right? Yeah. God became a man, right? That's Jesus. God became a man, that's Jesus. God sent his only begotten son, so to speak. But God became a man, that's Jesus. And it's it's readily in the scriptures. You know, that's not the first time. So in Hebrews chapter 1, he said, again, when he sent his only begotten son into the world, Hebrews chapter 1, I think verse 8 also, he said, let all the angels of God worship him. So I said, again, when was the first time? Genesis chapter 1. Because Adam, Jesus is God, the second or last Adam. Yeah. And then Hebrews say, again, when he sent his only begotten son into the world, he said, let all the angels of God, the first time God became a man was the first Adam. Don't you get it? So it's not just, okay, um, you born and a junior, mini me. It's not like that with God. God became a man. That's, the, that's why when he, when he was interacting with him after they, after they fell, and then man became something else apart from God, he lost his godness. We heard the voice of God, and he was afraid. There was no fear before. He was relating with God. And God said, Adam, where are you? He said, I heard your voice, and I was afraid. Because I was naked. Because I have lost, I have lost my type, my godness. God said, who told you that you are naked? He had lost the glory. In John chapter 17, verse 22, Jesus told us that has been restored. And the glory which you have given me. I have given them. So that it will be one like us and one in us. There's one question that I get a lot when we talk about the will of God. Unfortunately, this evening, we, can, we cannot exhaust it. No, we can't. But you know what I'll say something about the will of God? Now, this is, I haven't done a deep dive in what I'm saying. So guys, I'll hold it a little bit. Um, but think about it, but your sons, I can mm. trust you with it. I think that I like to sort of classify the will of God on two spectrum. I like to say that it's a will of God that is automatous, which is like the automatic will of God that God has automated. And then there's a second one which I call like it's more permutation. Now, the automatic will of God, eh, 
That automatic will of God, the only one that God sovereignly chose for us. Mm. You know what that will is? That you are like him. We are conformed to sonship. Period. That's Romans chapter 8. Yeah. Let's read it, please. That's Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. Romans 8, 28. So it says, So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design and purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born and he destined us. See, he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. King James would say, conform to the image of his dear son. Say, this means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. So we are called sons, right? Just like Christ. But it says, having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect and righteousness, his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. So the, the, God has predestined us. So the will of God for your life is that you become a son. Mm. Your decisions from there is irrelevant because sons do not choose against their father because a son is ident identifies his father in him. Mm -hmm. It is the father that is living his life through him, right? But it, I, spoke about, I spoke about the second one, which is called permutation. Permutation is just, you know, mathematics. Permutation means that there's infinite variety. Mm. So it means that brother A can marry Sister B. If it's good to him. If Sister B no agree, he can marry Sister C. Yeah. If Sister C no agree, it might be Sister D. And it is that's not like... End up at the, at yeah. The and the point is that... And, and, and guess what? God is happy. He's happy. Last last, you will be conformed to the image. Yeah, you're conformed to the image. It's not so much that God is saying, if Sister A no agree, you're forever I'm a bachelor. Not, I've lost it. You understand that? No, you're forever a bachelor. Maybe Solomon. No, no, no. Sister, Maybe Solomon took no, some people's own. No, God doesn't work like that. Though. Yeah, Solomon took a lot of people. So people are, no, no, no. Somebody has not married your husband. Somebody has not married your wife. Free yourself from that lie. The truth is that there's something called GPS. You know, GPS, if you're going to, if you're using map and you, you're supposed to turn, go lucky gate, you enter admiralty. Map don't adjust. Love adjusts us into perfect will. So we cannot be misled because even in our choices, we are altered in love. It will take time. Love is the, we can never, even your choices and you choose. You understand? God is saying, oh, you want De Lagos? Love will, will, will function, function for you. You, know, you, you don't say, well, I know they like this one. I know it's okay. Even the day you spoke upon that said, try, don't tire me every day now, love. I won't go somewhere. God alters you. you. He will track you. You understand? Love tracks you. You will not say, I'm falling out of the wheel. Uh, so I don't understand why some people don't stop. When they stop coming to try, they don't talk to us again. They don't talk to me. It's not worried. In the, other, in the church I'm coming from, in the church I'm coming from, the church beef you for living. For living. In tribe, they beef you for staying. Or, I don't know how to explain. They, it's almost like they're beefing you for, for, not, uh, for not beefing. Yeah, like, yeah, no, be free. You know, you can be free. You're loved. Like, do you understand? Have the ball of your life. When you go there, you meet some mad people. Love them. Life carries on. You understand? But my point is, do not let the lie that, you know, this lie of there is one person God has prepared for you is one of the biggest scam of the 21st century. And it has deprived many people of freedom. The sovereignty of God, that's the scarcity thinking masquerading as will of God. It's the scarcity thinking that there is not enough husband or not of wife. So there is one. Somebody told us one day that her husband has been married, but she's trusting the Lord. <laughs> she's trusting the Lord. No. So the will of God is always good, always acceptable, always perfect. Because people come from that yeah, Romans chapter yeah. 12 and say the will it's of God. No, it's not three it's types. It's one will. It's good in intention, eternally good in intention. Do you understand? Acceptable when you present it anywhere. Perfect when you apply it anytime. 
That's the will of God. I, I think Pastor Lily wants to say something. Um, okay, it's a question. But I, I, I want to add something to help IK. Um, this thing that you call the sovereign will of God, or that we call the sovereign will of God, in God's plan eh, and his desire is that that is will is also your will. So that is why there's a lot of work that you need to do in renewing your mind to knowing the mind of God. That's why the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. And I will prove it to you. So in the book of who can guess? John. John. <laughs> 5 verse 22. One of the proofs that God knows that your mind is now my mind is that he can commit decisions to you. In John 5.22, God now said, the Bible says, God has committed all judgment unto the Son. What, what is that telling you? That all my sovereignty, I give it to you, knowing fully well that what I would have done if I was there is what you will do. Do you understand? And then God now, the Bible now says that we too, we have the mind of who? Christ. So, your work, if there is any, is to know the mind of God. To help you, God now enters you. And the Bible now says it is God that works in you, both to will and his good pleasure. So, your biggest work is to align to the work of God inside you. you will, the, the work of God is not to continually instruct us. That's not the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the work of the Holy Spirit is to help your mind to a point that what God would have done is what you are doing. That's the plan. So, in between when you are aware to when you get to that point, there will be some conflict, there will be some friction, there will be some struggle. Sometimes, and sometimes the biggest point of struggle can be in your small-mindedness to be trying to do small things. Do you understand? Uh, it's like you, you, you work on a person that this person should be a president. He becomes a president and starts to watch cartoon all day. You are, it, there can be a bit of frustration. See what you are supposed to be doing. Do you understand? <laughs> so sometimes the thing that God is expecting you to respond to you are not responding to them because of small-mindedness. So, sometimes you will be decreeing those things, but many times, because it's not in, in, the in the scale of what God wants you to do, the power of God does not flow in that direction. Do you understand? Because it's something that is coming from, sometimes it's a response from your flesh, sometimes a response from your mind. So, the biggest work is to align. You align to a point where God then the sovereign will that you are worried is against also you. Must God it now over. commits it to Amen. you. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor John. You said some of the things I wanted to comment on, really. The truth is, if I look at Kaima, I was teaching the um, older kids on Sunday, and I was saying to them that, imagine, you know, mean, and Kaima was there, so I had to use my son as an example, because I was talking about sonship, and said, you know, all my life, all I do is, imagine if all I did was work, work, work. And then my goal was that I wanted to be very so rich I could take care of Kaima. But then even beyond that, I wanted mo to have so much money that when Kaima came to my age in life, he wouldn't have to do all the work I'm doing. The job of every parent is to 
leave an inheritance so that their children can enjoy and it's basically a legacy even more than money and all that but then um of course, I couldn't break it to them just then that, <laughs> that Kaima is not at that age. I might not be there anytime soon. There are things I need to see in place before I can hand over the keys to him. I can't take Kaima. I can take, I can buy a car for him. I mean, vintage cars are a thing, you know. I can buy a car for him for him that's 20 years old and say, Kaima, by the time you're 28, this car will be 48 years old and it's still going to be solid, whatever, you know, and you can enjoy it. But then I can't give you the keys today clearly because you need to, you know, like, you know, have your tests and et cetera, et cetera. So there is, there is a journey. And then, like you said, God's, God's, God's will is not that at every point in time we are forever being instructed and, you know, left and right, left or right. You're constantly fleecing like it, you know, is to teach us to know this is, this is the heart of God. And then you become it too, so that you're living flawless like you know automatically basically you're flowing in that same energy and current but then i wanted to ask because i know that some people have these questions um around sovereignty and often when i hear the question on sovereignty um some people have it on level that you've answered now where they're asking about in my personal life what if god what if my own will god wants me to actually marry this person and after this person there's nobody else <laughs> what if in this my whole show there's only one fish and now you have tell me the fish <laughs> I should, you know, but that's my fish, but you have tell me that, you know, sharks are going, the other fish are coming, you know, uh, but I think you answered that well. Now, there are, there, are, there are levels where people ask the question where it becomes slightly more complicated. For instance, this war, or the, let me not say this war, there, there are wars on a global scale, and it's hard to say which human being didn't do their own part or didn't take authority or didn't pray enough, you know, for their communities or for their nations or in their places in government or in their businesses or in their spheres, basically, you know. How then do we answer the question as to God's sovereignty? Because you see wars where millions of people, I mean, look at, look at the Holocaust, you know, for instance. And then these are people who, so you could say they were... You know, they played a very vital part in the story of Christianity and the Bible and etc. You know, and then question then again is, was that sovereignty? What was hum what was our sovereignty as humans, as sons of God, you know? What was our part to play and what was God's part to play? So just help Psalm somebody. Psalm 82. So help someone. They know not. They don't understand. Therefore, all the foundations of the earth are out of cause. Period. So because they don't know their sonship, like we're talking about now, they don't understand the depth, the, the, the magnitude, the, the hugeness of, his, of it, and the effects. You know, some, sometimes when wars begin to happen, people will say, God has said it, that it will happen. No, you don't understand. No, it's not that God planned those wars. God has told you beforehand. The world now they go like this. Foretelling is not foretelling. It's not foretelling. And prophecy have those two elements. There's foretelling, and then there's foretelling. Most of God's foretelling is like, it's, for example, what happened in the book of Genesis. They were all good, all the time good, 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 foretelling. Foretelling is, because he knows everything, knows the end from the beginning. So he's telling you, if you pass that road, you go meet, say, they don't cut off that bridge. So you go jam traffic. He didn't make it so. Mm. Do you understand? So all those words that people begin to say, ah, God already talking, it must happen. No. He, he has told you beforehand that the way these guys are going, what I've seen, this is what will happen. So that's to prepare you beforehand. I read a historical report that people who followed the prophecy Jesus gave about the wars that will happen in that era actually escaped death. Because he, mentioned, he, he gave some prophecy when he was teaching about the end times in Matthew 24. Yeah. And people followed it verbatim and escaped when the war came. The war, uh -uh, those wars don't happen. 
narrow and all that. People followed it, say, ah, now this time he talks, this thing will happen. So they're base. They miss the war. Do you get? And we can't, my wife was asking me recently, why are there all these wars? I said, the history of mankind to a large extent. Violence. So far, the only, the only world power, so to speak, the only world economy, people who have come to world power who have not shed blood have been China. Martin, do you know one of the stats I read recently? Most war, most wars have been fought in the name of God. Most wars, yes, have been fought in the name of God. Most, most of the wars in the world today were fought in religious wars, right? But this is what I would say to what Martin is adding again is that Every war is a failure of love. And God's mission in the world is to restore us in love. Mm. Wars are rooted in human insecurity, ambition, scarcity, uh, ambition. Like the war Russia and Ukraine is just quite sadly um, insecurities, egos at large, right? right? And then all that is in a man who is not rooted in love is ego. Mm-hmm. Ego will drive you to war. You will burn your house because you have a point to prove. Because there is always something to prove. That is what it will do. So the point again, think about the war, the, the death that happened in the time of Jesus. Was it God? So people ask this question, good God in the, um, uh, why do bad things happen to good people? And they say that why is God, why would God stand idly by while the world born? But think about the death, um, the, the, the 3,000 kids that were killed when Jesus was, a, was an infant, right? Apparently, um, Jacob got the pee. He got, Joseph got the word, right? He heard it. But here's, why was the killing? The killing was rooted in Herod's insecurity. Herod was afraid he would lose his throne. He wanted to eliminate any potential or possible power. So we are called to pray for people in authority. Because when we do our collective will and put it in their hands, they can ruin it by their poor choices. Right? So, and we are not just called to pray for people in authority. We are called to be people. We can also to, to really push people of love into places of authority. So that they can steward with influence and with righteousness and with justice. If Putin had the fear of God, he would not be sent killing. You understand? He will not be in this war. But Baba has no way of knowing, right? He's rooted in his false self. So guys, at the end of the day, um, sovereignty of God is not revealed when we suffer. It is the sovereign will of God that we do not suffer, mm. right? So it is not the presence of suffering that validates his sovereignty. In fact, it demands that we are waking to the, the fact that he has given us mm. that authority over earth, right? When we are waking, earth will heal. Hallelujah. So I, I will still add to it, but I want us to take our offerings as we continue the discussion because of time. I think she has a question. She'll okay. Her- yeah. So what, what I also want to say is that there is such a thing as compounded interest, compounded impact. So there's something that happens when 1,000 people don't know the love of God. When one million people don't know the love of God, the effect becomes compounded. One of the reasons why the Holocaust happened is that Hitler was able to convince millions of Germans that you know the Jews are a, you know an inferior race, and yet they own everything. So is the scale, and it's the same reason why we must talk about the love of God. There is something that happens when a thousand people 
are rooted in the love of God. It becomes compounded when it becomes a million. It becomes compounded when it becomes a billion. So if we are able to compound the love of God, the effect is obvious. And if hatred is compounded, the effect too is, is obvious. You, Jesus gathered about 500 people and taught them about God and we can see the effect today. So there is that compounding of the right things. Yes, last question. So my question is, is really, I've had this question asked before. How you confess the things that you want to see and it comes to reality and can that not be taken out of you know like the Christian faith like somebody out there will just be like I said it I got it I manifested it so I come correct me if I'm wrong I think he was asking about where's the like supremacy like I'm confessing things I'm confessing things and I'm getting it or they're manifesting where where is the godness in this can't i just you know like say it and it comes to pass and where's he surrendering to god's will i've had that question asked before many years ago where that sometimes this thing can be an atheist thing you just say things and it is done so where the where's the part that you draw the line okay no, we're not saying we're not saying something that's okay. I'm not saying that um, God's sovereignty isn't good or anything like that. I understand that it is good. I'm saying there are times, at least when I read the Bible, it's like even when Paul got, when Paul became a Christian, Jesus Christ gave Himself. Now like, He showed up. Do you understand? He's not. It was not a confession thing. It was a. It was a. We see, life is sovereignty thing. You see, God showed up. There are times when Israelites were going through famine, and Elijah was like, "By this time tomorrow, this thing will happen." Do you understand? And we had that God in His infinite mercy. The in Kimin, as I said, he had a like sound of wars, and the Philistines ran away and everything. And there are different times like things like that happen. I'm saying, if you say everything that comes to me. Yeah, it's a function of my confession and what I believe in. Yeah? So if something is going like this in my life, instead of going like this, is it always a function of my confession? Do you get? Because I feel that time I put, as I said, that it might put too much pressure on me. Oh, okay. Or is it a function of sometimes, some things just happen and it's not a function of me doing shit. I didn't do anything about it. God just okay. made it happen okay. in a certain way. Something is there a balance between what I see, what I confess, okay. and God's I get the sovereignty as God in my life, as a father. Sometimes we are sons. I believe God is our father. So I, as, as a father, sometimes yeah. you do something because we are a father. Yeah. It's not a function of... So, so large, of, largely, uh, your life goes in the direction of your beliefs. Largely. So like you were talking about the aspect of mercy right now. So if you are thinking about God's sovereignty, always think about it in, in terms of his love, like Pastor Freddy said, his mercy. Do you understand? Never interpret it the other way that, okay, um, I was just going and then the next thing, I had cancer. 
well you can't complain maybe this is God's sovereign work because because there are scriptures that seem to point to that even though it was wrongly interpreted has been wrongly interpreted and that's we won't study that today but there are scriptures like both in the old and the new testament that seem to point to that that okay this thing happened just for the will of God or for the glory of God but that's not true that's not what the Bible teaches we can we can talk about it another day so so yes many times uh, you can't even believe enough to receive the glory that God wants to give you so in his mercy sometimes the glory comes never the evil the evil never comes from him that's what that's why I want us to clear because when people talk about the sovereignty of God many times they lean towards the evil the evil that comes in life but the Bible says that God is light in him there's no darkness at all so he said every good and perfect gift so then for those who are afraid that okay all the okay I just confess all the good things that are just happening it's in the plan that is in the sovereignty that you will speak it and it will come to you that you believe it it happens for you that's his design that we're going back to the design of original image or the image of the Son of God Romans chapter 8 you understand now you do not have to be a Christian for this to work so that's why atheists and new new age and all those can tell you this is how life is so you attract it you manifest it it's a system that God has put in place do you get so they have found out without singing no single single and it's working because it's a principle of life so you believe and then you follow up with actions, whether it's confession or doing the things. And you see, God, do you remember the prophet in the Bible that the Bible said that the guy sees anything he says comes to pass. He sees this and sees that. That Balak called to come and curse the Israelites. You know he was not a Jew. He was not practicing Judaism. What about the man who, teach, who taught Moses, who speaks with God, taught him how to delegate how to send the spirit into other people. Eh? His father-in-law. He was not a Jew. Who was teaching them? So we make a mistake thinking, because I come to church, I do a single, so I have the preserve. Now let me, God is on my corner. No, it's not like that. God is no respecter of persons. Anybody in the whole world that calls on him, Peter had to realize that when God told him, go to Cornelius. Have you read the story of Cornelius? He was not a Jew. Angels were visiting him. Telling him what to do to enter into the thing. So he was not even practicing the right thing, yet he was having heavenly visitors. So don't be alarmed that these guys are telling you the law of attraction. You speak, you confess, you meditate. It's still the these are the principles of God. So don't let religious Christianese begin to scare you when you say, So I'm not doing all these things now. So some Christians are afraid. They say, You are not saying you are God. You are going into a new age. You are going to blaspheme and then. No. So the good things that happen that you did not plan for, you did not confess, you did not believe. Eh? Yes, turn it to the will of God, the sovereign will of God. It's always like that. It's come, the sovereign will of God comes for you good, perfect, and acceptable. Never evil. So anytime you think about sovereignty, don't ever consider sickness, accidents, lack. Sorry, uh, it did I, not happen. It's I, always good. It's still, it's still not... It's still not I guess you know, don't seek. Please continue, continue, continue. You see... You know, you pick it from one perspective, like, okay, the good parts, the good parts. You know, sometimes you can be limited for what is, what is good and what is bad. Mm. <laughs> so, 
there are things like okay, like sickness. We know that gun they bring sickness. You get that those those kind of you know they I know if you get, but there are some certain scenarios that happen in life. Like you want to marry this guy, not gonna work. I don't, don't be saying we combined with that, but <laughs> okay. Then example. Okay, let's say yes. I'm trying to look for more biblical example. You get no, no, no. Any kind of example. Okay. Let's use let's use Joseph. Okay. That guy had so much. It's a classic. Yeah. Is it? Will he say all that thing that happened to Joseph? Was in the will of God. The wasn't pits, the pits, the slavery, and those things. Everything. It was man in play. Mm. God didn't okay. need Pharaoh. God didn't need Pete suffering, so a slavery to bring Joseph to that place. But it's one scripture. They meant it for evil. But God turned it around for good. But do you understand? So, okay. so the thing is, you see what Freddie was saying? You see the rerouting thing. So I missed the way. God's plan is always conformed to the image of his son. It will take time, but you will ne- God will never lose out. So they sold him out. They did this, they did that. God said, you are still going there, king. You will still rule the world. Okay. Is, is it better now? Yeah. So, so the thing is that what, what Pastor Feli always says is that sometimes when you are not ordering, right, things will be happening to you because there are so many factors that play in the outcome of your life. There are so many influences that can affect the outcome of your life. But one of the things that happens in sonship is to awaken to the fact that I can decide what my life is. So some people are not part of the decision process. Some people are already victims of some things before they now awaken to the fact that I can reorder my life by intentionally making new confessionals, believing new things. Yes. Do you understand? Not doing anything is also a decision. So you can, by not being intentional, you can choose to be a victim of many, many other things. And what Pastor Martin is always trying to say is that when it is evil, it's not from God. Right, but there are many other factors. It could be a president, it could be a brother, like in the case of Joseph. Many, many things are attempting to conform you to different images, but the goal of God is to conform you to the image of Christ. So once you are waking to it, you can start to undo every other thing and start to reroute yourself to the image of God. <laughs> you can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.